Greetings, friends. Welcome to the One Year Bible Tour. Not only do we read through the Bible together over the span of a year, taking in the whole counsel of God, but we take a few moments to explain it. We trust that you will find it extremely profitable. My name is David McAdam, and it is my pleasure to be your tour guide. Today is the last day of the month of June, June 30th. We are just three days away from our halfway point through the year, so may I encourage you to continue with this healthy regimen of consistently reading and feeding upon the Word of God. The history of the children of Israel proves the condition of the human heart. We are all in desperate need for divine intervention, the glorious provision of God's mercy in sending us a Savior. In today's reading, we will witness the fall and captivity of the northern kingdom of Israel as they are conquered by the Assyrians. Eventually in our reading, we will witness the fall of the southern kingdom and their being taken into captivity by the Babylonians. What we are seeing in both kingdoms, in microcosm, is the resultant captivity of the entire human race to the power of sin and death through the fall of the first man, Adam. The rescue can only come from a sinless substitute, Yeshua HaMashiach, Jesus the Christ, literally meaning the Lord is salvation or God to the rescue. The angel Gabriel announced the news concerning Jesus' supernatural conception and natural birth. He will be called Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. The Gospel of Matthew chapter 1, verse 21. You will have noticed how the preaching of Jesus in the New Testament book of Acts is always in the context of the history we've been reading about in the Old Testament, the creation, the fall, the promise, and the fulfillment of the promise in the person and work of the Messiah. So let's go to where we left off yesterday in the historical section of the Old Testament, the book of 2 Kings. We pick up the story of the fall of Israel and the Assyrian repopulation of the northern kingdom, which is now identified as Samaria. And then we will read of the reign of King Hezekiah in the southern kingdom of Judah. 2 Kings chapter 17, verse 1, through to chapter 18, verse 12. And I'm reading from the English Standard Version. Hosea reigns in Israel. 2 Kings chapter 17, verse 1. In the twelfth year of Ahaz, king of Judah, Hosea, the son of Elah, began to reign in Samaria over Israel, and he reigned nine years. And he did what was evil in the sight of the Lord, yet not as the kings of Israel who were before him. Against him came up Shalmaneser, king of Assyria. And Hosea became his vassal and paid him tribute. But the king of Assyria found treachery in Hosea, for he had sent messengers to So, king of Egypt, and offered no tribute to the king of Assyria, as he had done year by year. Therefore the king of Assyria shut him up and bound him in prison. Then the king of Assyria invaded all the land and came to Samaria, and for three years he besieged it. In the ninth year of Hosea, the king of Assyria captured Samaria, and he carried the Israelites away to Assyria and placed them in Hala, and on the Habor, the river of Gozan, and in the cities of the Medes. And this occurred because the people of Israel had sinned against the Lord their God, who had brought them up out of the land of Egypt from under the hand of Pharaoh king of Egypt, and had feared other gods, and walked in the customs of the nations whom the Lord drove out before the people of Israel, and in the customs that the kings of Israel had practiced. And the people of Israel did secretly against the Lord their God things that were not right. They built for themselves high places in all their towns, from watchtower to fortified city. 
they set up for themselves pillars and asherim on every high hill and under every green tree. And there they made offerings on all the high places, as the nations did whom the Lord carried away before them. And they did wicked things, provoking the Lord to anger. And they served idols, of which the Lord had said to them, You shall not do this. Yet the Lord warned Israel and Judah by every prophet and every seer, saying, Turn from your evil ways and keep my commandments and my statutes in accordance with all the law that I commanded your fathers and that I sent to you by my servants the prophets. But they would not listen, but were stubborn as their fathers had been, who did not believe in the Lord their God. They despised his statutes and his covenant that he made with their fathers and the warnings that he gave them. They went after false idols and became false, and they followed the nations that were around them, concerning whom the Lord had commanded them that they should not do like them. And they abandoned all the commandments of the Lord their God, and made for themselves metal images of two calves, and they made an Asherah, and worshipped all the host of heaven, and served Baal. And they burned their sons and their daughters as offerings, and used divination and omens, and sold themselves to do evil in the sight of the Lord, provoking him to anger. Therefore the Lord was very angry with Israel, and removed them out of his sight. None was left but the tribe of Judah only. Judah also did not keep the commandments of the Lord their God, but walked in the customs that Israel had introduced. And the Lord rejected all the descendants of Israel, and afflicted them, and gave them into the hand of plunderers, until he had cast them out of his sight. When he had torn Israel from the house of David, they made Jeroboam the son of Nebat king. And Jeroboam drove Israel from following the Lord and made them commit great sin. The people of Israel walked in all the sins that Jeroboam did. They did not depart from them until the Lord removed Israel out of his sight as he had spoken by all his servants the prophets. So Israel was exiled from their own land to Assyria until this day. And the king of Assyria brought people from Babylon, Kutah, Ava, Hamath, and Sephavarim, and placed them in the cities of Samaria instead of the people of Israel. And they took possession of Samaria and lived in its cities. And at the beginning of their dwelling there, they did not fear the Lord. Therefore the Lord sent lions among them, which killed some of them. So the king of Assyria was told, The nations that you have carried away and placed in the cities of Samaria do not know the law of the God of the land. Therefore he has sent lions among them, and behold, they are killing them, because they do not know the law of the God of the land. Then the king of Assyria commanded, Send there one of the priests whom you carried away from there, and let him go and dwell there, and teach them the law of the God of the land. So one of the priests, whom they had carried away from Samaria, came and lived in Bethel, and taught them how they should fear the Lord. But every nation still made gods of its own, and put them in the shrines of the high places that the Samaritans had made, every nation in the cities in which they lived. The men of Babylon made Succoth-Benoth, the men of Cuth made Nergal, the men of Hamath made Ashima, and the Avites made Nibhaz and Nartak, and the Sepharvites burned their children in the fire to Adramalek and Anamalek, the gods of the Sepharvaim. 
They also feared the Lord and appointed from among themselves all sorts of people as priests of the high places, who sacrificed for them in the shrines of the high places. So they feared the Lord, but also served their own gods, after the manner of the nations from among whom they had been carried away. To this day they do according to the former manner. They do not fear the Lord, and they do not follow the statutes or the rules or the law or the commandment that the Lord commanded the children of Jacob, whom he named Israel. The Lord made a covenant with them and commanded them, You shall not fear other gods or bow yourselves to them or serve them or sacrifice to them, but you shall fear the Lord who brought you out of the land of Egypt with great power and with an outstretched arm. You shall bow yourselves to him, and to him you shall sacrifice. And the statutes and the rules and the law and the commandment that he wrote for you, you shall always be careful to do. You shall not fear other gods, and you shall not forget the covenant that I have made with you. You shall not fear other gods, but you shall fear the Lord your God, and he will deliver you out of the hand of all your enemies. However, they would not listen, but they did according to their former manner. So these nations feared the Lord and also served their carved images. Their children did likewise, and their children's children, as their fathers did, so they do to this day. Chapter 18. Hezekiah Reigns in Judah In the third year of Hoshea, son of Elah, king of Israel, Hezekiah, the son of Ahaz, king of Judah, began to reign. He was twenty-five years old when he began to reign, and he reigned twenty-nine years in Jerusalem. His mother's name was Abi, the daughter of Zechariah. And he did what was right in the eyes of the Lord, according to all that David his father had done. He removed the high places, and broke the pillars, and cut down the Asherah. And he broke in pieces the bronze serpent that Moses had made, for until those days the people of Israel had made offerings to it. It was called Nehushtan. He trusted in the Lord, the God of Israel, so that there was none like him among all the kings of Judah after him, nor among those who were before him. For he held fast to the Lord. He did not depart from following him, but kept the commandments that the Lord commanded Moses. And the Lord was with him. Wherever he went out, he prospered. He rebelled against the king of Assyria and would not serve him. He struck down the Philistines as far as Gaza and its territory, from watchtower to fortified city. In the fourth year of King Hezekiah, which was the seventh year of Hoshea, son of Elah, king of Israel, Shalmaneser, king of Assyria, came up against Samaria and besieged it, and at the end of three years he took it. In the sixth year of Hezekiah, which was the ninth year of Hoshea, king of Israel, Samaria was taken. The king of Assyria carried the Israelites away to Assyria and put them in Hala and on the Habor, the river of Gozan, and in the cities of the Medes, because they did not obey the voice of the Lord their God, but transgressed his covenant, even all that Moses the servant of the Lord commanded. They neither listened nor obeyed. And this is the end of today's portion from the Old Testament, the book of Second Kings. Now let's take a few moments to recap and reflect. Today's reading from the Old Testament focuses on the sad event in which the northern kingdom is thoroughly defeated by the invading armies of the Assyrian king Shalmaneser. The king of Israel, Hoshea, is seized and imprisoned, and in the ninth year of his reign, 
the capital city of Samaria is captured. Most of the Israelites throughout the northern kingdom are deported to Assyria, and the northern kingdom's population is replaced by Gentile foreigners. The many warnings from the prophets and God's previous chastisements for their wickedness were disregarded. Israel had turned away from the God who delivered them from Egypt and were now serving other gods. They did not even recognize that they had brought these troubles upon themselves through their own disobedience to God's word. The Assyrian captivity of the northern kingdom of Israel and the Babylonian captivity of the southern kingdom of Judah, which would happen approximately 140 years later, would be the fulfillment of God's promise given through Moses. Deuteronomy chapter 30, verses 16 through 18. I command you today to love the Lord your God, to walk in His ways and to keep His commandments and His statutes and His judgments, that you may live and multiply, and that the Lord your God may bless you in the land where you are entering to possess it. But if your heart turns away and you do not obey, but are drawn away and worship other gods and serve them, I declare to you today that you shall surely perish. You will not prolong your days in the land where you are crossing the Jordan to enter and possess it. And then in Deuteronomy chapter 28, verses 36 and 37, the Lord will bring you and your king, whom you set over you, to a nation which neither you nor your fathers have known, and there you shall serve other gods, wood and stone. You shall become a horror, a proverb, and a taunt among all the people where the Lord drives you. The NIV translation of 2 Kings chapter 17, verse 15 is a description of Israel's folly and serves as a warning for us today. They rejected his decrees and the covenant he had made with their fathers and the warnings he had given them. They followed worthless idols and themselves became worthless. They imitated the nations around them, although the Lord had ordered them, do not do as they do, and they did the things the Lord had forbidden them to do. 2 Kings 17.15 Verses 16 and 17 describe the despicable practices that accompanied their idolatries. I think we would do well to consider what practices accompany the idolatries in our culture today. Unlike the Babylonian captivity of the people of Judah, the ten tribes that went into captivity were never given permission to return. This is why in their dispersion they are often referred to as the ten lost tribes of Israel. The king of Assyria brought Gentiles from Babylon, Kutha, Ava, Hamath, and Sepharvim to replace the Israelites in Samaria. But they soon felt the displeasure of the God of the Israelites and reported it to the king of Assyria, who ordered some of the Israeli priests to help them cope. You will remember that the priests of the northern kingdom were self-appointed and not Levites. The result was an eclectic mixture of religions, coexisting as one great heresy that remained in Samaria even until Jesus' day. This is why the Jews, the religious leaders of Judah, did not want to have anything to do with the Samaritans. Remember the account of Jesus with the woman at the well in Samaria? In John chapter 4, verse 9? The writer gives us a list of the false gods that were worshipped in the northern kingdom. Each tribe made its own shrines to their gods, who are listed in verses 29 through 31. Notice the little bit of the real thing that kept them from the real thing, the little bit of the worship of the Lord that kept them from true worship. These were false believers who might have even called themselves Jews. 
They worshiped the Lord, but they also appointed all sorts of their own people to officiate for them as priests in the shrines at the high places. They worshiped the Lord, but they also served their own gods in accordance with the customs of the nations from which they had been brought. 2 Kings chapter 17, verses 32 and 33. Chapter 17 concludes with this summary statement. Even while these people were worshiping the Lord, they were serving their idols. To this day, their children and grandchildren continue to do as their fathers did. 2 Kings chapter 17, verse 41. We have a refreshing contrast to the defeat of the Israelites of the north with the healthy reformation that goes on in the southern kingdom of Judah. Hezekiah becomes king in the third year of Israel's final king, Hosea. King Hezekiah did what was right in the eyes of the Lord and did what previous kings failed to do. He removed the pagan idols and even the idols that the Jews had made of the things that God had done in the past. You will remember the incident when the children of Israel were plagued with snake bites in the wilderness in Numbers chapter 21 verses 6 through 9. God instructed Moses to make a representation of the cause of the problem, a figure fashioned to resemble a serpent but made of brass, signifying judgment. The serpent on the pole wonderfully prefigured the remedy for our problem of sin being put on the cross. What causes our problems? We are captive to the serpent's lie that advocates human autonomy, implying that we can be good and determine good and evil without God. The brazen serpent prophetically represented the gospel truth. He who knew no sin, Jesus, would become sin, a representation of him as a substitute, taking the full judgment for sin, that we might be healed of the disease of sin, having satisfied the righteousness of God on our behalf. This truth is spelt out in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21. He made him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf, so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. But even this God-given tool, the brazen serpent, which should provoke the worship of the one true God, became an end in itself, an idol. The people were burning incense to it. Sometimes God's people can make idols out of God-given tools, worshiping their ministry rather than the Lord, or the book of the Lord over the Lord of the book, who is the word of God. 2 Kings chapter 18, verse 4, Hezekiah also broke in pieces the bronze serpent that Moses had made, for until those days the sons of Israel burned incense to it, and it was called Nehushtan, meaning a mere piece of brass. Now let's go to today's reading in the New Testament, the book of Acts chapter 20, verses 1 through 38. Paul in Macedonia and Greece. Acts chapter 20, verse 1. After the uproar ceased, Paul sent for the disciples, and after encouraging them, he said farewell and departed for Macedonia. When he had gone through those regions and had given them much encouragement, he came to Greece. There he spent three months, and when a plot was made against him by the Jews, as he was about to set sail for Syria, he decided to return through Macedonia. Sopater the Berean, son of Pyrrhus, accompanied him and of the Thessalonians Aristarchus and Secundus, and Gaius of Darbe and Timothy, and the Asians Tychicus and Trophimus. These went on ahead and were waiting for us at Troas. But we sailed away from Philippi after the days of unleavened bread, and in five days we came to them at Troas, where we stayed for seven days. On the first day of the week, when we were gathered together to break bread, 
Paul talked with them, intending to depart on the next day, and he prolonged his speech until midnight. There were many lamps in the upper room where we were gathered, and a young man named Eutychus, sitting at the window, sank into a deep sleep as Paul talked still longer, and being overcome by sleep, he fell down from the third story and was taken up dead. But Paul went down and bent over him, and taking him in his arms, said, Do not be alarmed, for his life is in him. And when Paul had gone up and had broken bread and eaten, he conversed with them a long while until daybreak, and so departed. And they took the youth away alive, and were not a little comforted. But going ahead to the ship, we set sail for Azos, intending to take Paul aboard there, for so he had arranged, intending himself to go by land. And when he met us at Azos, we took him on board and went to Mytilena. And sailing from there, we came the following day opposite Chios. The next day we touched Samos, and the day after that we went to Miletus, for Paul had decided to sail past Ephesus so that he might not have to spend time in Asia, for he was hastening to be at Jerusalem, if possible, on the day of Pentecost. Now from Miletus he sent to Ephesus and called the elders of the church to come to him. And when they came to him, he said to them, You yourselves know how I lived among you the whole time from the first day that I set foot in Asia, serving the Lord with all humility and with tears and with trials that happened to me through the plots of the Jews how I did not shrink from declaring to you anything that was profitable, and teaching you in public and from house to house, testifying both to Jews and to Greeks of repentance toward God and of faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. And now, behold, I am going to Jerusalem, constrained by the Spirit, not knowing what will happen to me there, except that the Holy Spirit testifies to me in every city that imprisonment and afflictions await me but I do not account my life of any value nor as precious to myself, if only I may finish my course and the ministry that I have received from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. And now, behold, I know that none of you among whom I have gone about proclaiming the kingdom will see my face again. Therefore I testify to you this day that I am innocent of the blood of all, for I did not shrink from declaring to you the whole counsel of God, Pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers, to care for the church of God which he obtained with his own blood. I know that after my departure fierce wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock, and from among your own selves will arise men speaking twisted things to draw away the disciples after them. Therefore be alert." remembering that for three years I did not cease night or day to admonish every one with tears. And now I commend you to God and to the word of His grace, which is able to build you up and to give you the inheritance among all who are sanctified. I coveted no one's silver or gold or apparel. You yourselves know that these hands ministered to my necessities and to those who were with me. In all things I have shown you that by working hard in this way, We must help the weak and remember the words of the Lord Jesus, how he himself said, It is more blessed to give than to receive. And when he had said these things, he knelt down and prayed with them all. And there was much weeping on the part of all. They embraced Paul and kissed him, being sorrowful 
most of all because of the word he had spoken, that they would not see his face again. And they accompanied him to the ship. And this concludes our reading from today's portion from the New Testament, the book of Acts. Our reading starts with Paul leaving Ephesus after ministering there for about three years. Therefore be on the alert, remembering that night and day, for a period of three years, I did not cease to admonish each one with tears. He had plans to take a collection from the new churches in Europe and Asia Minor and bring it to Jerusalem to help needy believers there. The collection would be carried by Paul and a team representing the various ethnicities of the new churches in Acts chapter 20, verse 4. This act of charity would also show the solidarity of the newer churches composed of mostly Gentile members with the first church in Jerusalem composed mostly of Jews. Paul wrote his first letter to the Corinthians while in Ephesus. He had expressed his intentions to meet up with the Corinthians again at a certain time, but was delayed through a series of events described here. He discovers there is a plot to have him killed aboard a ship sailing for Syria, so he changes his plans and goes through Macedonia to meet up with Titus. However, Titus is not at Troas to meet him. Paul remains at Troas for seven days. When the Christians gathered on the first day of the week, they met together in the evening. The first day of the week was a work day, so it appears they would meet at night. Paul is intending to leave the next day, so people are eager to hear him teach. He teaches through the night. Because the upper room where they were meeting was poorly ventilated and many lamps were burning, a young man named Eutychus falls asleep while sitting on an open window ledge and is killed as he accidentally falls from the third story to the ground. The word for boy, or young servant, is used in verse 12, indicating that he may have been a young adolescent who worked hard all day. Fatigue at midnight in a room lacking oxygen would be understandable. Eutychus was picked up dead. Paul went down, threw himself on the boy, and put his arms around him and picked him up alive. Eutychus's name means fortunate. There is no reference to Paul's method, but no doubt Paul had faith in the God he was speaking about. Instead of sending everyone home to get sleep before the next workday, Paul went upstairs again, worshipped the Lord with the covenant meal of the breaking of bread, and taught until daylight. Such hunger for the word of God is a sign of revival. Paul may have been wary of further attempts on his life while on board a ship, so we see that he prefers to walk while other team members take a boat. He eventually boards their ship at Azos, and they sail to Miletus. He was behind schedule as he was hoping to deliver the collection to the church in Jerusalem while they were gathered for the annual Feast of Pentecost. Rather than doing a return trip to Ephesus, he saves time by calling for the church elders from Ephesus to meet him in Miletus. We learn so much about Paul's ministry to the Ephesians and Christian ministry in general from Paul's address to the elders in Acts chapter 20, verses 18-35. through 35. We sense his great love for the church members, the church leaders, and their love for him. They weep together with affectionate embraces when they part, in Acts chapter 20, verses 36 through 37. The cares of the churches came upon him daily. Paul loved the church and selflessly gave himself to serve the saints. What do we learn from Paul's example? Number one, the primary importance of preaching the word of God thoroughly. The gospel is the message of God's grace in verse 24 and verse 32, the message of Christ and his messianic role as king in verse 25, and is found in all of the scriptures in verse 27. This is pastoral preaching. 
he recognizes the full inspiration and sufficiency of the Word of God for the faith and the practice of the church. He taught both publicly in larger gatherings and in conversations from house to house. The Acts 20.20 Vision The public reading of Scripture was not to be neglected in 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 13. Number two, he preached the necessity of repentance of sin and faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and his saving work for the Jews and Gentiles alike. He shows that faith and repentance are inseparably connected to each other. Turning to the living God by faith involves turning away from our idolatrous sins and false beliefs, that is, repentance. Acts chapter 20, verse 21, and 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 9. Number three, we are to love the church and be sure there is loving watch care for it with under-shepherds appointed by God the Holy Spirit. They are to feed, lead, and guard the flock from savage wolves, truth-distorting, disciple-attracting false teachers. Warning is a normal part of preaching in Acts chapter 20, verses 28 through 31. Number four, sacrifice is necessary and worthwhile if it means that we can fulfill our calling to testify of the gospel of God's grace. Acts chapter 20, verse 24. Ministry in general is hard work. We are to be givers more than takers. Paul said in Acts chapter 20, verse 35, In everything I showed you that by working hard in this manner you must help the weak and remember the words of the Lord Jesus that he himself said, It is more blessed to give than to receive. Now let's move on in our Bible tour to the book of Psalms, the Bible's songbook, Psalm 148, verses 1 through 14. Praise the name of the Lord. Psalm 148, verse 1. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord from the heavens. Praise Him in the heights. Praise Him, all His angels. Praise Him, all His hosts. Praise Him, sun and moon. Praise Him, all you shining stars. Praise Him, you highest heavens and you waters above the heavens. Let them praise the name of the Lord. For He commanded and they were created. And He established them forever and ever. He gave a decree, and it shall not pass away. Praise the Lord from the earth, you great sea creatures and all deeps, fire and hail, snow and mist, stormy wind fulfilling His word, mountains and all hills, fruit trees and all cedars, beasts and all livestock, creeping things and flying birds, kings of the earth and all peoples, princes and all rulers of the earth, young men and maidens together, old men and children. Let them praise the name of the Lord, for His name alone is exalted. His majesty is above earth and heaven. He has raised up a horn for His people. Praise for all His saints, for the people of Israel who are near to Him. Praise the Lord. What a great symphony of praise this is. Let the whole heavens and the whole earth praise Him. Now let's go to today's reading from the book of Proverbs. Proverbs chapter 18, verses 6 and 7. A fool's lips walk into a fight, and his mouth invites a beating. A fool's mouth is his ruin, and his lips are a snare to his soul. Do you find that your words get you into trouble? Wish you could take them back? Ask God to bridle your tongue with the knowledge of His Word and the sanctifying agency of the Holy Spirit. Let's pray. Lord, All creation praises you, for you alone are God. You alone are the deliverer of those you have chosen to redeem. 
You are worthy of the full surrender of our lives. Help us to be like Paul and not count our lives dear to ourselves, that we might be givers rather than grabbers, lovers rather than liars, truly committed rather than compromised. Keep us from the worthless idols of today. We know we become like what we worship. We want to become like you through Jesus Christ, our Lord, and the sanctifying work of your Holy Spirit. Help us to finish the course well. In Jesus' name, amen. We certainly have enjoyed a rich time of reading through the scriptures. Very instructive, very encouraging, and we look forward to continuing tomorrow. We appreciate you being with us, and if you have any questions or comments, you can contact us by writing an email to podcast at newlife.org. And if you would like to get a written copy of our commentary on the scriptures, you can subscribe at our website and learn more of our ministries at newlife.org. So in the words of the Apostle Paul, may I commend you to the word of his grace that is able to build you up and to inform you of the inheritance that you have received in Christ. Enjoy God's blessings today and walk in the light that you have received.